Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Folks, I am really excited for this morning's show to share with you our friend, MSNBC legal analyst and the host of Justice Matters on YouTube, Glenn Kirshner, as always, joins us. But today is a supersized show to go through, my God, all of last week's Trump legalese bullshit from his belief that he could, you know, just think things as president and then they happen as if he is, oh, I don't know, the character from Bewitched. He can just wiggle his nose and then poof, things just happen to the fact that he thought, him and his legal team thought, that by appointing the special master and having Judge Cannon in their pocket, that, you know, Judge Deary was going to move in the similar way that Judge Cannon moved, which was, of course, in Trump's favor. Well, that has been far from the fucking truth. And Judge Deary has showed that he is not coming to play games with Donald Trump. Neither were the two judges on the three-judge panel who Trump appointed in the 11th Circuit who were also like, so no, right? It's good to know this, folks, and I know that the bar is so fucking low, but it is good to know that regardless of what president appointed these judges, that there are still some Republican appointed judges that actually believe in the fucking rule of law and understand how dangerous it is to America's national security that Donald Trump would walk out of the White House with boxes of classified information and just be having them sitting around at his fucking retirement home in Mar-a-Lago. So last week, in my humble opinion, was actually a win for justice. Now, I believe that the Mount Everest, as I have been calling it on Woke AF, the Mount Everest of evidence against Donald Trump 
from New York with Tish James to Fonnie Willis in Georgia to Garland in the Department of Justice, I believe that the walls actually are closing in. And I think that Donald Trump is going to end up most likely going down, not for sedition, which is what the fuck he should be brought down for, and the coup to overthrow the government and the election. I think that it's actually going to be his tax evasion and his fucking hubris that is going to bring Donald Trump down. And it's amazing to me that the Republican Party continues to rally around this motherfucking fraudster. My only hope, let me tell you something, let me just put it out there. Let me put it out to the universe. Let us all put out good energy and intent into the universe right now. Because as David Pluff said recently on MSNBC with Joy Reid, that, you know, America falling into fascism, if you're an optimist, which we all know that I am not, we got a 60-40 chance of that not happening. I'm going to say it's actually fucking 50-50. My one hope, right? And I and I said this the other day to a friend of mine. I said, you know what? Faith is a flashlight. Faith is a flashlight that we hold in ourselves when we are moving through the darkness. The faith that I am holding on to is that Donald Trump's ego his belief that he can do whatever the fuck he wants. He can inflate numbers. He can bring them up. He can bring them down. He can tell you they don't exist. He can think about things that Donald Trump's ego, right? And his cloak of white privilege is going to be what actually does him in. And my hope, the faith that I have, is that when Donald Trump is finally indicted and exposed as the lying, grifting piece of shit that he is, that everything and everyone that Donald Trump has touched in his criminal career will also go down. That includes the investigations into federal judges that were appointed. That includes investigations into members of Congress. That, dear friends, to me, will be when my optimism and faith in system and government and institution actually rises. And I think, hold me to it, I believe that we are getting closer than I actually ever thought that we would get. And I want to applaud my hero, not of the week, but of the fucking month, of the season. New York Attorney General Letitia James, who did not let up after three years, who had kept her foot on the fucking pedal, who has now so much information, so much evidence that she has referred Donald Trump to the Department of Justice and to the IRS and said, here, I've done your work for you. So let us hope, dear friends, let us still walk with that mustard seed of faith that justice will prevail, that there is still enough good people that can turn these bad people on their fucking heads. Coming up next, my supersized conversation with our friend, Glenn Kirshner. 
It's no secret that the news is horse pill hard to swallow. Thankfully, there's the Bituation Room podcast hosted by comedian and commentator Francesca Friorentini for a lighter take on the heavy stuff. Each week, the Bituation Room brings you progressive comedians, experts, and activists to break down the issues in a way that won't just leave you crying under a weighted blanket. Get the Bituation Room on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and streaming on YouTube and Twitch. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slate's Political Gab Fest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise in the news. Each week on the Gab Fest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political Gab Fest. New episodes every Thursday. Folks, you know, whenever we have the opportunity to to dig through the legalese that is happening uh, as it pertains to Donald Trump, our democracy and the sanctity of justice in this country, we're always grateful for Glenn Kirshner, host of Justice Matters and MSNBC legal analyst to drop by and join us on Woke AF. Glenn, man, it's been a hell of a week, right? Um, Donald Trump, I I would not want to be the walls in Mar-a-Lago for fear I would be suffocating in ketchup. But let's start. Let let's let's start with um Judge Aileen Cannon makes her ridiculous uh recommendations with regard to a special master with regard to, you know, not wanting to hurt Donald Trump's reputation. Um, the Department of Justice appeals to the 11th, the 11th Circuit Court. We were all holding our breath because you had told us uh, on Woke AF uh, that the 11th Circuit Court was actually, you know, kind of jam packed with Trump appointees. Even still on the panel is kind of like Wheel of Fortune, right? You, you don't know who it, who is going to be sitting on the judge panel. It ended up being two Trump uh, appointees. Their decision, however, with regard to the Department of Justice ability to continue their criminal investigation and probe into Donald Trump, their decisions and what they alerted us with regard to their thoughts around Cannon's decisions was, wow. So I just want to give you the floor to walk us through uh, their opinions, which were, I mean, I did not need a law degree to pick up what they were putting down. Uh, it was very clear, but please walk us through it. Yeah. The three judge panel of the 11th circuit just unanimously smacked down judge Aileen Cannon in using terms that we don't often hear in appellate opinions. And I, and I say that because I argued lots of appeals in military appellate courts and civilian, in local appellate courts and federal. Federal court judges usually use gentle euphemisms when they're criticizing what a lower court judge did. You You know, perhaps the judge could have exercised different discretion. That's not what this panel did. This panel said, basically, Judge Cannon abused her discretion by even exercising jurisdiction and deciding to order the Department of Justice, the FBI, to stop criminally investigating Donald Trump as his conduct pertains 
to these classified documents that were seized from Mar-a-Lago. And when courts just flat out say judges abuse their discretion and shouldn't have even exercised the court's jurisdiction, what they are saying is, Judge Cannon, you are not very good at this judging thing. And it was a royal smackdown. And the reason it was so important, and I think there are some things that we can um, tease out of what we've just seen. Our faith in the federal judiciary is at an all-time low. Because our federal courts are now populated with unqualified judges that Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell crammed down the throats of the American people, right? And Aileen Cannon was confirmed by Mitch McConnell's Senate after Donald Trump lost the election. And the opinion she issued saying things in essence like, Donald, I treat Donald Trump differently than I treat every other litigant mm-hmm. before the court. That is a violation of her oath, quite frankly. And we'll see if she's referred for potential judicial misconduct. But because our faith in the federal bench is at an all-time low, I was holding my breath waiting to see how Trump-appointed judges might deal with this. And I was so thrilled to see that two of the three judges, Trump appointees, not only decided this at light speed because they got a 40-page brief from Donald Trump's criminal defense team on Tuesday. On Wednesday, they said, you lose. That's light speed for an appellate court. And then the other thing that I'm really pleased about is Judge Deary in New York, who's the special master reviewing this, he was a Ronald Reagan appointee. So -hmm. what we have are Republican judges, federal court judges, who are basically the adults in charge once again, as opposed to the alien cannons. And they are taking this deadly seriously, the need to investigate Donald Trump's crimes and the need to protect our national security and assess the damage Donald Trump did to our national security by stealing and then unlawfully concealing these classified documents. I mean, one of the things that really got me um, in in the opinion from the 11th Circuit Court was the term red herring, mm-hmm. basically calling out Trump lawyers and Donald Trump himself and saying that you have put on a ruse for the American people. Like you can't, regardless of whether or not you believe in your mind, as we saw via clips uh, with Donald Trump and Sean Hannity on Fox, whether you believe in your mind that you have declassified this information, it doesn't change the content of said information, nor does it make it your own private property. And I thought that that was so glaring because in the in the Cannon decision, it was, we're just going to take this on a matter of Donald Trump said it, so it must be true. And we must take what this former twice impeached lying president has said over our Department of Justice, essentially signaling, well, he could be right. They could be gunning for him. And what the 11th Circuit Court said was, miss me with it, right? Like, are you kidding me? If it is, if Donald Trump is so concerned about the hands that this classified information would fall into, well, then. Who's better hands for it to be in? Who's better vault for it to be in, right? 
then in the Department of Justice's hands, as opposed to your kitchen table at Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, but there you go talking sense and logic, Danielle. <laughs> and that's not what Donald <laughs> Trump is about, as we both know. But, you know, he, there's, there's so much good now that has come out of Donald Trump's lies that maybe I thought it declassified and poof, it was declassified. A lot of good comes out of that. First of all, as you just noted, the 11th Circuit said, this is a red herring. But before they said it was a red herring, they said there is zero evidence that Donald Trump declassified anything. And we'll come back to that in a second. But then they mm -hmm. said, and it's a red herring, because just as you pointed out, he stole these documents. And whether he declassified them or not, he still stole these documents. That's why right. they said it's a red herring. The declassification means nothing because it's still a crime. But then let's go to the declassification piece. In 2019, Donald Trump declassified some documents the way a president declassifies documents. He went through the process when he declassified them. Now, he did it to, because he thought he was going to make the Democrats look bad, but he, he failed. Every single copy of it has to be marked declassified, the hard copies, the electronic copies, and the Trump followed the procedures. He didn't do any of that here. What does that tell us? He knew, he knew. how to actually yep. declassify things. He failed to do it here. But the other thing that this is a gift to prosecutors, because by him saying, well, to Hannity, maybe I thought them declassified and they were magically declassified. You know what that is? That's an admission by a party upon opponent under the rules of evidence that we will introduce as incriminating information. So, Donald, please keep talking, keep talking. and talking and talking. And I know some say, well, maybe this is the master plan. Give him enough rope to you know, hang himself. I don't even like to use the term hang himself, but give him enough rope. Listen, He's got miles of rope. He's got rope to the moon and back. We don't need to give him any more rope. We need to indict him. We need to charge him. We need to hold him accountable. So we put a stop to the deep injustice that we're experiencing in America right now, where everybody that he ordered to attack the Capitol is going to trial, being convicted and being in prison. And he keeps playing golf. That's a deep injustice at play right now. You know, one of the other things that really struck me, too, about the decision by the 11th Circuit um, was basically them saying that they agree with the Department of Justice as it pertains to not allowing Donald Trump or um, the special master to now review, go back again and review the classified documents. Um, which to me, Glenn, and, and, and you tell me if I'm interpreting this wrong, tells us that these documents, what the contents of these documents are incredibly serious, yeah. that we, that the Department of Justice, as well as the 11th Circuit Court, want to limit the eyeballs that continue to review these documents. One of the things, too, is that they're not going to be able, and by they, I mean the Department of Justice, prove that Donald Trump paraded these documents and was showing them like a friggin', you know, souvenir that he got from the White House to God knows who came into Mar-a-Lago. Um, but what did you make uh, of, of that decision as well to say, even though this special master was appointed, we're deciding, no, no, you don't get eyes on this. You know, that is a group of adult judges acknowledging 
the national security risks that Donald Trump has um, inflicted on us, on our nation. And, you know, the, the, there's a body of case law that says when suits are brought and these suits involve matters of grave national security, the courts generally will defer, you know, appropriately, but will defer to the federal government, to the intelligence community's assessment of the possible risks to national security. And the Supreme Court has supported that over and over and over again. And Judge Cannon was like, I don't care about any of that. I'm treating Donald Trump differently. And, you know, I, I call her a classified documents denier. She said, I don't even know that I'm not prepared to take. This is what she said. I'm not prepared to take DOJ's assertion that these documents are even classified materials. She's a classified documents denier. We saw the picture. These are classified documents that were taken from his office, from his mm -hmm. desk drawers. And so the adults are back in charge on the federal bench. And they said, no, there's a reason we have national security laws, procedures, and protocols in place. It's to protect the American people. And they're taking that seriously. So before we move on uh, to, to Judge uh, Deary and the, the, I mean, shots, shots, shots that he has that he has sent over the fence to the Trump, uh, to the Trump team, legal team. Um, you know, the other day I was watching uh, Joy Reid uh, uh, on MSNBC and she said something that really struck me. And then I tweeted it. She said something to the effect that Donald Trump has multiple properties around the country. Right. And frankly, around the world. What is making us think that Mar-a-Lago was the only place that Donald Trump was holding documents, that he was stashing documents? And why wouldn't, why haven't we then seen a, uh, a warrant being delivered for Trump Tower in New York City, for other properties that he has around the country, um, with the idea that we know, uh, based on testimony from January 6th, that he was traveling around into foreign nations with, with these documents. So do we believe that Mar-a-Lago is the only place where classified documents could possibly be? Yeah, there's legal sense and then there's common sense. And what you and I and Joy are applying is common sense. Common sense says you rob a bank and you got five properties. Well, you may have your proceeds of crime, the money you stole at any one of those five properties. So isn't it prudent for law enforcement to look at all five of your properties? Yes, it's prudent. And that's common sense. But here is looking at it through the lens of how we do search warrants. Mm -hmm. um, here's my, my thinking about this. If the Department of Justice, if the FBI had probable cause based on evidence they had developed, that Donald Trump was concealing classified material, stolen documents at any of his other properties, what we would almost always do is coordinated, simultaneous search warrants. Because, and we do this all the time when we're dealing with multiple uh, crimes, multiple criminals, multiple targets of an investigation. The last thing we want to do 
is only um, uh, have one search warrant hit one location when we know there's lots of other evidence of crime at other locations because that alerts everybody that you better get rid of all the other evidence right, right. before we come for you. That's why we do simultaneous coordinated search warrants. But we can only do that if we have probable cause and we can present it to a judge and the judge is persuaded that, yes, based on the evidence, I can conclude there are also stolen classified materials at Bedminster, at Trump Tower, at where Doral, at wherever. And because I know we would have done simultaneous search warrants and we didn't, that leads me to believe we only had probable cause that we could used to persuade a judge to issue a search warrant for one location, Mar-a-Lago. Got it. Okay, which, you know, and and in all honesty, which kind of makes sense, just based on Trump's ego, which is that he wants these documents where he is, right? And 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 that that in and of itself is like, no, no, um, these are mine, right? And so where is Donald Trump, as Chris Hayes said the other night, at his retirement home? In Florida. So that's where the documents uh, would be. Um, okay, switching gears, um, but staying on obviously the same topic, Judge Deary. This was the special master that the Trump team wanted. The DOJ said, okay, have at it. We're not going to fight this. Now, again, they got what they wished for, and it doesn't seem to be going their way because the decisions. And the pace at which Deary is moving is not what they had anticipated. They wanted to drag this out. Deary is setting timelines that are like, no, 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 no. If you if you have evidence that you declassified documents, send it. They said, no, no, we couldn't possibly. So talk to us about the other decisions that um, that he has made that are letting us know that he did not come to play with them. Yeah, Judge Deary is making life hell for Donald Trump and his criminal defense team because Donald Trump said to Judge Cannon, I want a special master, even though the law doesn't entitle me to one. Judge Cannon said, you got it, Mr. Trump. He said, and I want that special master to be Raymond Deary, senior judge up in the Eastern District of New York, Brooklyn. And um, Judge Cannon said, you got it, Mr. Trump. And now Judge Deary said, okay, you want me to review these documents for possible privilege? First, Trump defense team, tell me what he declassified, if anything. Because unless Judge Deary has that information, he can't even begin to do an informed review of this stuff. And the tr- this is my favorite part. And this may be the only time I've ever agreed with anything that a Trump criminal defense attorney has ever said. They said, we're not telling you because that would that will hurt our ability to defend Donald Trump when he's indicted. Yes, I embrace that. I agree with the defense team that Donald Trump needs to be and will be indicted. So that that's one wonderful thing that came out of Deary's uh, the fact that he's presiding over this as special master. The second thing he just said, I think yesterday, Donald Trump, um, you have claimed that the FBI planted evidence. Put up or shut up right now. Present to me the evidence because if I'm going to be reviewing these documents that you wanted me to review, I need to know what you claim the FBI planted 
because I guess I don't have to review those for privilege, right? Because you didn't even take those. So he's, he is, pardon the term, trumping them over and over <laughs> and over again. And then most recently, and I still need to read up on this one, but you know, I have two heroes this week, Tish James and Raymond Deary. Judge Deary said, you will now be fined, Donald Trump, $500 an hour. That'll add up quickly until you tell me the following. And I need to read what the following is. I think it has to do with him divulging what he claims the FBI planted, but I'm learning more about that topic right now. But Judge Deary did not come to play. Judge Deary's mm -hmm. a real judge. He was a FISA court judge. And why somebody told Donald Trump, oh, I think Judge Deary once made this decision that you know, really ticked off the Department of Justice. So I think he might be a good one. That's me trying to look into the mind yep. of the pick. But boy, was that a miscalculation. I mean, he only surrounds himself with the best people, Glenn. So, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, what else would we expect? Okay, to to the hero of the week, Tish James. Three years of investigating Trump organization, Donald Trump, his spawn. Um, she has come to the conclusion and in her press conference laid out everything that you have known and said, everything that I have known and said, this is not your average family. This is a crime family that has been running a fraudulent scheme by inflating, deflating the values of their properties, their wealth, in order to secure insurance and deals that would be better for them. Essentially, what we were told a while ago, Donald Trump is not as rich as he says that he is. He's rich, but he ain't billions rich. So walk us through Tish James, what she has uncovered, the fact that we know that, again, this is a civil matter. She is suing Donald Trump for $250 million um, and also has referred to both the IRS and the Department of Justice for a criminal probe, which has now all of a sudden, we just got a statement from the man that's been asleep at the wheel Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who I've been saying for months should be investigated for his like quick about face on the initial Cy Vance investigation into Donald Trump. Um, so tell us what we what we need to know about where we think this case, Tish James's civil case is going and also the referrals. Yeah, Tish James um, dropped a 220-page uh, lawsuit, complaint in a lawsuit. We should keep in mind this is civil, not criminal, so Donald Trump won't go to jail behind this action. But as you say, Tish James found so much evidence of crime that she referred him for criminal investigation to the Southern District of New York U.S. Attorney's Office, an arm of the Department of Justice, and to the IRS for tax fraud. Um, and it really does highlight the poor decision Alvin Bragg made some months back to overrule his career prosecutors who said, boss, we got enough to indict and convict Donald Trump of multiple 
felony crimes. And Bragg said, yeah, I'm not feeling it. I'm killing the investigation into Trump. Now, all of a sudden, Bragg is playing catch up. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, 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 no. I'm still investigating. Yeah, well, we'll see, sport. You know, your track record is not strong at this point. But um, so Tish James basically has the goods against Donald Trump that he has been engaged in financial fraud, bank fraud, insurance fraud for a very long time. And what I loved about A.G. James' press conference is she gave us the receipts that we can all understand because insurance fraud, banking fraud, tax fraud, it can be pretty murky stuff for people to understand. She said, let me give you just two examples. One, Donald Trump has an apartment. And for any number of financial purposes, he certified that his apartment it has 30,000 square feet in it, when in fact, it has less than 11,000 square feet. And he used that information to defraud, right? I can understand that. I get that. Here's the other example she gave, which I love. Donald Trump apparently owns some rent um, subsidized uh, apartments, and they are professionally valued at $750,000. And he certified that they were valued at $49 million for fraudulent purposes. I can understand the disparity in those numbers. She not only has the goods, Danielle, she makes clear in that 220-page complaint that she has the witnesses who can provide those goods because that complaint is replete with phrases like, Donald Trump signed the following document certifying this was accurate. Donald Trump told his staff to do X, Y, and Z. Donald Trump arranged to have and over and over again, because we know he tries to act like a mob boss and insulate himself from yep. ever being personally held accountable for anything. Well, she dug in for three years, went through millions of documents, and she's got the goods of Donald Trump personally orchestrating and directing massive fraud that she says, I think, was in the billions of dollars, ultimately, although she's suing to get $250 million out of him bar he and his adult children from ever serving on a board or as an officer of any New York corporation, barring them from applying for uh, any loans from New York institutions or being involved in any real estate deals in New York for five years. I mean, this puts a nail in the coffin of the Trump organization. And this is a nice incremental step of accountability for Trump. It's not the first criminal indictment, but I hope we see that soon. You know, the thing that I, that also got me um, with regard to the press conference, and I believe it was a question asked um, by a reporter in the room, um, which was, why not just settle, right? And uh, frankly, what I, I believe that what, what James offered was that the Trump team came back with a settlement and she was just like, this is not it. So tell me again, not a lawyer, but if you're offering up a settlement, that means that you are guilty. Yeah. That means that you would like to wash this away and go. So she's asking for $250 million. I'm pretty sure they didn't come close to that number. And she was like, so no. 
But they knew, the lawyers knew, by virtue of them saying, hey, 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 let's not drag this out. Let's, you know, just just take this and we'll and we'll walk away. And Tish James said, no. What do you infer from that? So, first of all, his attorneys, I don't know who's representing him in this civil suit. You know, he really is scraping the bottom of the barrel on the on the attorney front. Um, The attorneys assessed the litigation risk after they saw what Tish James had. They knew they were wrong. They knew their client would lose. And they said, we really want to make this go away. Can we settle? And Tish James said, no. I mean, the only settlement that I think would be acceptable to me if I were on Tish James' team would be uh, $250 million. And you agree to be barred from everything we are seeking to bar you from. We'll take that settlement because that's what we're suing you for. But the other thing that is just beautiful is Donald Trump, remember, was deposed. He sat for a deposition and testified in right. this Tish James investigation. 500 times. And he pled 440 times. He pleaded the Fifth Amendment. He invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination. And I can tell you what Tish James and her team did. They had a draft of that 220-page complaint, and they asked him every single question that addressed every single allegation in that complaint. And every time he said, if I answer truthfully, I would incriminate myself. That's admissible at his civil trial. And the jury can draw inferences against him (laughs) that if he had answered, he would have lost. He's done. He has nowhere to go in this litigation. Nowhere. So the only settlement that I would take is I want everything that we are suing you for and then we'll settle. And the funny thing is, is that I think that we believe that Donald Trump is worth about $250 million. You know what, Danielle? He ain't a billionaire. <laughs> I don't think he's a millionaire. He's lucky if he's a thousandaire. Oh, God. All right, Glenn. Um, I appreciate this supersized review uh, of where uh, Trump's no good, very bad week uh, came from just, um, you know, last question for you looking ahead, what are you looking out for and what can we expect, I guess, in the, in the coming weeks? You know, we've got a J six hearing coming up. I don't know what the focus, they haven't told us what the precise focus will be, but I hope it starts to take us from the insurrection into the Willard war room and then into the direct contacts between folks in the Willard war room and the oval office and Donald Trump. Uh, I will be covering for MSNBC the first seditious conspiracy trial that kicks off this week in district court in D.C. So that's going to be interesting to watch and see how the government presents the evidence in that case. Um, And then, you know, I think the classified documents investigation is something that if DOJ chooses to jump out and do some indictments fairly quickly, they can. I don't know if they will, but on at least the scheduling front that may have eclipsed you know, the um, J6 investigation with respect to where we might see the first federal indictments come down. Okay. Oh, it's going to be, it is going to be a busy, busy fall. I love it. Love to see it. Glenn Kirshner, as always, appreciate you making the time for Woke AF and we will see you next week. I'll see you next Um, week. And let's hope that the good times actually keep rolling towards an indictment. Yeah. Thanks, Danielle. That is it for me today, dear friends, on Woke AF. As always, power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right.